Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, so we got to remember where we left off last week. We uh, learned that Daniel is about to get one of the most, or he's going to be given, should I say, one of the most important tests of faith that anyone could be given, a test of faith. Much like, if you remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they faced back in chapter 3, well, their trial, their test of faith was the fiery furnace. We saw how the Lord stepped up. Hey, wait a minute, I thought we put three in there. No, 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 there's four. And now Daniel's about to encounter another test of faith. Well, Daniel's prayer life will, for the next 30 days, it's going to be against the law for him to pray. And he's going to face certain death in a hungry den of lions because that's the law, that's what was decreed. But here's what I want you to see. You got Daniel who says, no, 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 I, I'm, 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 I'm not a heathen, I'm a Hebrew, I'm going to keep praying, I'm not going to hide anything. And you know for sure with this decree that it's certain death. It's against the law. Now you and I know that if we're driving our car and we see a big red octagon that says stop, if you don't stop and you blow through that, that's against the law. And if a policeman's around the corner, he might pull you over and give you a ticket. If you're driving down the highway and the white sign says 75 and you decide to put it at 78 or 80 or 85, you know it's against the law. Those are laws, and he, but this is a different kind of law. What happens? It's against the law for Daniel to pray. In the next 30 days, what does he do? Okay, what are we going to do? Now, here's what I want you to see. No matter what Daniel is facing in the world that he's living in, he remains faithful to God. He remains faithful to God. And I started to think about this, and if you recall last week, we can learn something right here. And you go, what can we learn? Well, the title Christian, if you go, hey, I'm a Christian, what you're saying is I'm Christ-like. That's what it means. I'm Christ-like. And the moment you step up and say, I'm a Christian, I'm Christ-like, well, because of that, you probably will be persecuted in your faith. You will have, well, you'll have tests of faith. You see, we're living in a world, I don't know about you, but it's. Uh, I, I used to think we were um, slowly changing positions, but I think we're at warp speed now. Everything's changing so fast that believers are being persecuted for simply believing, for standing up and going, no, no, no. See, and it, and it seems like to me, and I'll probably get in trouble for this, but it seems like to me that everybody else has rights, but as believers, we don't have any rights to stand and go, this is what I believe. Well, no, if you believe that, then you're going to jail. Well, wait a minute, there's so many other things. I'm not sure what, are you kidding me? I wonder, I wonder how many dens of lions you and I will face simply because we love Jesus. Now, I don't think that there is a den of lions that they're going to throw any one of us in because we love Jesus, but we know that there are going to be tests of faith that act like that where you lose a very good, high-paying job because you love Jesus. 
or you don't get promoted because you love Jesus. Now, I thank the good Lord that we live in a city that still is, is conservative and has good, some good godly values, but I don't know how fast that's going to change. I don't know how fast it's going to be. Hey, from the pulpit at Calvary Chapel, you better stop saying that or you're going to be in trouble. The other night I was sitting and I was thinking about what was going on in the world. This was actually Monday night. And I actually thought for just a moment that that I could end up in prison for preaching the gospel. And I was looking across the table at my wife thinking, okay, so you understand. You, you've got a good home. It's comfortable. you got food. It's what, all this stuff. You could. And it was almost like the Lord knocked on my heart and said, are you, are you ready? Will you be willing? You see, inside the comfort of my home, the obvious answer is Yes. But think about that, inside the prison well where I can't see my grandkids anymore and I can't see my wife and I can't see y'all. Well, yeah, we're going to start a prison ministry. But nonetheless, it's something hard to take. So I wonder, I wonder, church, how many tests of faith that we're going to face in the coming years? I wonder. I found a story about a test of faith it was about a, name, a lady by the name of Asaya Bibi Noreen. That was her name. She's a Pakistani Christian. And this is a woman who was actually convicted of blasphemy by a Pakistani court receiving a sentence of death by hanging. In 2009, Noreen was involved in an argument with a group of Muslim women with whom she had been harvesting berries after the other woman grew angry with her for drinking the same water as them. She was subsequently accused of insulting the Islamic prophet Muhammad, a charge she denies, and was arrested and imprisoned. And in November 2010, a judge actually sentenced her to death. You can thank the Lord that eight years later she was actually acquitted. The Christian woman. So I know there's going to be tests, tests of our faith in Jesus. So as we come to the second half of our study in the book of Daniel chapter 6, we should not find, we should not be surprised to find that he now finds himself facing what is probably the greatest test of his life. Now, remember last week, if you're taking notes, it's broken down into five main sections. We saw the position of Daniel. We talked about that last week. We saw the plot of Daniel. We saw, or the plot against Daniel. And we saw the prayer of Daniel. We talked about all these things. Let me give them to you again. You have the position of Daniel. This is all in chapter 6, guys. The plot against Daniel. The prayer against Daniel. And then today, we're going to see the persecution of Daniel. And then the last one we'll cover tonight is the protection of Daniel. So, we covered three of them. Let's go over them real quick. It's the position of Daniel. Jot that down. Say, Daniel, if you remember, was one of three leaders directly under Darius. He had shined above the other two leaders because he has an excellent spirit. 
And Daniel had a good attitude in his work life, and guess what? It made him an object of attack. As a matter of fact, Daniel had such a great attitude at work that the boss realized, hey, he needs to be promoted. And the other two were like, wait a minute, let's see if we can find something in his closet. So then they gathered together and they said, how do we plot against Daniel? What are we going to do? Well, the plot against Daniel is actually found in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. It says, so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel and Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Guess what? They decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. We got to find a plot. We got to, and so what did they do? They start looking, guys, they start looking and trying to find something against him. And so, when they realized that he was above reproach, they go and they're going to hatch a deceitful plan against Daniel. But let's talk for just a moment. Let's talk for just a moment. And this is a very touchy subject. You go, why? Daniel lived a life of faithfulness and a life of integrity. And they're trying to find something in him. They're trying to find a skeleton in his closet. They're trying to find something. And I started to think about this, and I, I had to let the Scripture read me and go, okay, so if, if the authorities were trying to find something of ill repute or something unbiblical, could they find this in my life? You go, okay, well, let's start with your house. We went to your house. We didn't find anything there. There wasn't, any, there wasn't anything that we could say, aha! Uh-huh. But then I started to think, what about social media? What if they started to dig in our, on our Facebook? What, if, what are we putting on Facebook? What are we? And I started to think, wow, Lord, there's a lot of us who have social media. There's a lot of us who live in this, in the world of technology. There's a lot of us who have jobs with a lot of other people. How important is it for us to be like Daniel and to live above reproach so there is no accusation? How important is that? How important it is is that you see something and you, and you want to respond on, your, on the Facebook or the Instagram. You want to respond. And, and how important it is is you go, oh, no, you know what? Listen, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We'll let the Lord take care of that. I just wonder. I just wonder. They couldn't find anything in Daniel. Daniel wasn't entertaining anything that wasn't godly. Listen, Daniel wasn't watching anything that wasn't godly. And how amazing would that be if if someone came over and said, Hey, listen, I've checked your Facebook, you're clean, you post post, all you post is, is scripture and And we looked at your Instagram, we checked your background. Hey, how about we look at your Netflix account and let's see what you've been watching. Is there anything? And you go, oh. Oh. Now, why do I say that? Here's why. Because I want you and I to be careful what we allow into our eye gate and what we allow into our ear gate because what it does is it comes in and it goes into our heart. And if we allow those things over and over and over, then what happens is that out of the abundance of the heart, this is how we begin to behave. And so basically, I want to put good things in. 
Well, Pastor Ben, you're being legalistic. You're saying that I can't watch anything. I'm free in Jesus. Absolutely, you're free in Jesus. But Paul said, right? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. And I won't be mastered by any. Can you imagine just being pulled in? Why? Well, let's just say you sit there and you go, hey, I'm going to watch this movie. Next thing you know, it pulls you into a life of pornography. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. Daniel. Daniel. I've got to find something against him. Oh, I can't find nothing. No charge, no fault. He's awesome. And that was the same as my Jesus, wasn't it? Gee, what did Jesus do? They had to lie. Oh, oh, we heard him say. Oh, that'll stick. That'll get it. They were false accusations. They lied. They lied. So what do they do? They go to Darius, right? Let's hatch a plan. Let's hatch a plan. And they appeal to his pride. Look at, look at verse 7. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, will be cast into a den of lions. What's they're saying? Here's what they're saying. He's saying, listen, nobody should pray to anyone but you, O king Darius. If anyone is prayed to any man, anything, any god, I don't care, They're going into the dead. Here's the deal, Darius. You're God for 30 days. You're God. Well, what would that? Of course. Hey, hey, I like that. I'm God. Yeah, do it. Where do I sign? He wasn't thinking, was he? Because what happens is that's what happens when we get full of pride. And Belshazzar was a great example. And he's prideful now. Oh, yeah, wow, that would be really sweet. I would, I would like it to walk around and make sure nobody's praying and, and, and they're only petitioning me. Like I can do anything. But still, pride. Pride. And so what happens, they pretend to make him God for 30 days. So Daniel hears all of this, of course. Did you hear? Breaking news. It's on my phone. Guess what? It's against the law to pray. To anyone. 30 days. It's against, it's in the, it's certain death. It's certain, did you get, and, and so we're, we're faxing it. Nobody faxes it anymore. We're emailing it. We're sending out on Facebook. We're, we're doing all this stuff. And, and, and now it's good. But what does Daniel do? Look at, look at, look at verse 10. Look at, this is the prayer of Daniel. Now, when Daniel knew what the right, that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with the windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, his God, as was the custom in the early days. Now, here's my question to you. I wonder how many of us would stop praying. Because the very thing we are praying about did not change. Did not change. Ah, I've been praying about it. Listen to me. We often give up on prayer when it's not answered in our time. And so Daniel gives us a huge lesson here. You ready? Jot this down in your notes. Keep praying. Keep praying. See, prayer is about knowing and believing in Jesus. And prayer often changes me as I draw closer to the Lord. That's what prayer is about. Daniel knew what prayer was about. 
Something that really struck as a special interest, you can jot this down. According to Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, the book of Jeremiah was in Daniel's hand as he prayed. You go, wow! And you go, what does that mean? Guys, prayer should involve the memorization of God's Word and the Bible itself. Oftentimes we should pray back the Word of God to the Lord. Oh, not in a condescending, oh, but, but Lord, your word says, your word says you'll deliver me. Lord, you'll deliver me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you said in Isaiah, you said that, that I can pray for healing. I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to pray that this person, Isaiah 53, I'm going to pray for that. Matthew, you said I can, here's what it says, Lord, here's your word. And to have this, if you don't have your body, have it memorized in your heart. When you're, tempted, when you're tempted, right? You're a, you, oh, oh, Lord. I remember what David says. David said, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, let that come out. I don't want to sin against you, God. And so, so you move away from that temptation. When you're feeling pulled in a different direction, you feel, man, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm struggling spiritually. And you remember what he taught us in Ephesians, that we strengthen the inner man. Oh, oh, what do I need to do? I need to strengthen the inner man. Okay, so that means I need to spend some time with the Lord. I need to get to know the Lord. And I don't mean, and, and please don't misunderstand me, I don't mean five or ten minutes. I mean you need to spend some time with Jesus and you need to hear his heart. Oh, why? Because that's what strengthens the inner man. Think about this in ways of outer men, right? If you go to the gym and you spend five minutes in the gym, how strong are you really going to be? I went to the gym, yeah, walked by the weight, said, hey, wait, how's it going? He lifted it up, came over here, did. But that's what we do. We, we, everybody does curls, a little few curls, look, look at themselves. We don't get strong that way. But when you spend hours, when you spend that time in the gym, and you exercise, ooh, you start to get strong. Take that spiritually. I have to spend time with the Lord. I have to spend time. Guess what? Guess what? If you go to the gym, you go to the gym, and you start to lift weights, it hurts. They're heavy. I mean, no. <laughs> those hurts want to kill you, right? You you put on a bunch of weight and you, you're going to you're going to do bench press and it comes down like that and you can't lift. You better have somebody to help you because those weights want to kill you. But what happens, guys? It hurts. Most guys, if you see them, most gals, if you see them, they're holding their breath as they push up with everything they have. It hurts, but there's gains. And it's the same thing spiritually. It takes that time. Though it doesn't hurt physically to be with the Lord, but it will cost you something. It might cost you some sleep. It might cost you a lunch where you say, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to eat lunch today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with Jesus. And just a side note, and, and if I could get somebody to testify on this, Whenever you purpose to say, "Hey, I'm going to spend time in the, I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend an hour with the Lord," isn't that the most distractions you ever get? Isn't that when the phone rings and the texts and the emails and every out of the blue, you're like, "Are you serious?" Guys, always pray. So, what does Daniel do? He comes up, he opens the curtains, and there he is. Why? Well, Jerusalem, guys, was symbolic 
of his hope that someday the children of Israel, you've got to catch this, it's going to be sweet, that they would return to the city of God. So as he goes, and he goes, he's looking towards Jerusalem going, Lord, one day I want to go home. I want to go home. And he would pray. And he would pray. And he was, he was just, guys, prayer with hope that God would fulfill his perfect will in our lives. That's what he's praying. He's praying, I want to, I want to go home. I want to go home. Well, as we come to Daniel chapter 6, you've got to remember, right now, Daniel's probably well in his 80s. He's outlived five Babylonian rulers. Darius the Mede is now the newest king over Daniel. He had just conquered Babylonian Empire and was setting up his own government. Darius was intelligent, capable, and a powerful, powerful ruler. So, that was what we talked about last week. Now we're going to jump into our text. Okay, We're going to look at the last two points in our study called Lessons from the Lion's Den. We're going to see the persecution of Daniel and the protection of Daniel. Okay, Verse 11 will serve as our intro. Daniel chapter 6, verse 11 says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that word for assembled. Assembled. You go, why? Because in the original language, it means they ran hastily. It wasn't that they were walking by and they were like, Oh, hey, Daniel. They ran hastily as to come upon Daniel suddenly to detect him in the act. Now, you got to remember, Daniel, these are Daniel's, um, these are his friends. These are part of the governors, the satraps, the administrators. These are people he worked with. He's known them. Wait, what? No, there's a decree, Daniel. It's against the law for you to pray. Or you, if you're going to pray, you got to pray to Darius. I'm not praying to Darius. Okay. So he goes home and he does this, and guess what? His great friends are running to try to catch him in the act of treason. They're running. They assembled. So these men come running. Guess what they found? They found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Guys, think about this. Think about this. That's our introduction. So what did they do? Notice, here's the point. The persecution of Daniel, verse 12. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Like they're asking him, like they know they were there. And the king answered and said, "This the, the thing is true according to the law of the Mede and the Persians, which does not alter. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Wow. They immediately run. Now, they knew that Daniel prayed at those times. They come running. They see him. What do they do? They don't accuse Daniel. They go straight to the king. King, king, king. Hey, hey, we found somebody. He's, listen. And they're ready to squeal on Daniel. And although Daniel has done nothing wrong, for the next 30 days, it's against the law to pray to anyone other than Darius. It was a decree. You go, Ben, what's a decree exactly? What's a decree? See, listen, the decree of Darius pitted the law of man versus the law of God. You guys tracking with me? That's what the decree was. 
Daniel, we could say he was God's champion. And he is definitely our example. But let's fast forward to end times. You go, what do you mean? You see, Daniel models for Israel how to respond to the laws of the world's final kingdom. See, the beast in Daniel chapter 7 will oppose Israel in the last days. The last days. So not only do we see there in the present, okay, we also see that it's future. Let me say that again. Can you imagine? You see, that's what's going on in Israel today. That's what's happening in Israel today. You have a very group of liberal uh, demonstrators coming and protesting against a very conservative ben, Benjamin Netanyahu, and now they're descending upon that, and they're trying to say exactly what, hey, this doesn't, uh, this doesn't appeal to me. This is the, we need to follow the laws of men, not the laws of God. And so you have, you have all of Israel, you have all of Jerusalem closed because of these demonstrations. How exciting is the world right now? How exciting is it? That you go, wow, this is happening. On the other end of the world, if you will, on the other side of the pond, you have, you have China holding hands with Russia. You have North Korea. You have, you have, uh, I mean, all of these. Now they're holding hands. Everybody, you have this coalition wondering what's going to happen with Israel. And all of a sudden, Ezekiel starts to pop up. And you're like, oh man, we got to do another Ezekiel study. This is happening right now. This is happening. You have our economy, church, listen to me, you have our economy just exploding up. You have the dollar that's dropping. You have banks that are failing. You have, um, here, I want you to listen to me, you have weather patterns that are crazy. Wait a minute, did God send a tornado? No, God didn't send the tornado. It's the weather patterns that are crazy. And I believe, this is just my opinion. I'm going to cite, I'm going to stand here at the side. It's just my opinion. I believe God's going, hey, I need to get your attention, guys. I need to get your attention. I'm coming back soon. I'm coming back soon. Now you go, well, when soon, pastor? Well, here's the thing. As long as people are still getting saved... He may tarry a minute or two. But when that day comes, go, hey, anybody here want to get saved? Nope, okay. He might, want, he might be like, that's it. Let's go. I'm ready to bring you home. And it's so cool because, listen, because we're not doing church the way we used to do church. See, we're not sitting in here and, and hey, let's give you a feel-good message and everybody have good and, and, and kumbaya and we'll sing and we'll go out the door and see you next Sunday. We're, we're going, hey, there's a lot of things going on in the world that you need to know about. It's time. It's time. And our job as shepherds is to make sure that you're fully, what? Fully equipped for the Word of God. With the Word of God, you need to know the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. So there's two great applicational points, guys, that we can pull out. Let's talk about the present. I wonder how many of us in this room are not liked, or maybe you're even hated, simply because you love and follow Jesus. I wonder. So much so that people will often try to find skeletons in our closet. Run to the world or run to your boss 
and like Daniel, give a false accusation. Here's my thought. Here's my thought. And you guys know this, and you're amazing at it. I think let's be honest about who we really are. Let's not try to hide things under the rug. Let's try to walk worthy of, of our God. And when we mess up, confess it quickly, sincerely, and move on. You know, we, we, so many times people think that the pastor, the minister, whatever it might be, is, uh, has it all together and they're, they're, I don't understand how they could be sad or how could they, they could go through stuff because their face is in the Bible all the time. They talk to God all the time. But how important it is is that we're just honest and open and, and this is who we are. This is who we are. We're not trying to hide anything under the rug. Shane and Shane, many years ago, uh, composed a song called Embracing Accusation. And it simply tells us to agree when the devil comes in and says, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this, you go, amen, I know. And then run to Jesus. That's really who we are. You know, this is who I am. This is who I am. Now, church, I don't get up and try to be opposite of what the Word of God says, but we often make mistakes and we blow it at times and we get angry and we have bad attitudes and we, whatever we might be. And the devil comes in and goes, see, you're not even a Christian. You're this, you're this, you can't even do this. Agree with him. Say amen. Man. I found out that when I agree with them and I go, yeah, that's, ex- that's, exactly, why, that's exactly why Jesus had to die. Because if I was anything better than what I am, then I could, I could earn my own salvation. And you go, no, you can't. Exactly. And you know what the beauty of this is? Listen to me. Jesus knew and knows everything you are and we're, we're going to be and, and everything at the cross and that's why he went. I love it. So that's present. I wonder how many, how many of us. Now let's talk future. So Daniel is, using Daniel's model, Israel will choose God and, like Daniel, go through the tribulation period. Unlike any before. They will be delivered out of the pit as the world stands in awe. Now, your attention please. Before the tribulation, you're going to see this very act in Ezekiel 38 and 39. That God is going to step up to show the world how he fights for Israel. How so? When the coalition comes in, you've got, you've got Russia, you've got from the north, you've got, and he, he mentions them all, uh, Persia, which is Iran. You've got all of these, this coalition coming in and attacking Israel. Israel's not ready, which is weird, right? Because they're always ready. Israel's not ready and can't defend, and then God shows up and he defends and he, and he just, he, he annihilates everyone, and the Bible says the world goes, whoa, there is a God. How did this happen? And Israel's probably going, and they, and they're gonna, this is, this is, so this is a preview of God saving Israel when it cannot save itself. 
So then the tribulation comes, and again, this is exactly it. They're going to come, and, and, and here's the thing, guys. Think about this. They're going to come, and they're going to deliver, they're going to be delivered out of the pit, basically, as the world stands in awe. God's going to do incredible things. And before the king, it says here, the king here is a type. Now, we're talking future, a type of the Antichrist in the end times who will replace God in the world. Those who do not know God will obey the law of the beast in Daniel chapter 7, who will exalt himself above all. Daniel's given the option to turn away from God and to turn to the king and live or to turn to God and and die a terrible death. This will be the same option faced by many in the last days. But in Daniel and Revelation, we're told of a coming persecution on those who trust in the Lord. Look at Revelation 13. Let's just read 13, eight through, uh, 6 through 8. It says, Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwelt in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, slain from the foundation of the world. Now, jump over to Daniel chapter 6, 13 and 14. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who was one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. So again, now here comes the accusation. We see that in Revelation. We see that in Daniel. And here's what, it, here's what I like, guys. Here's what you need to see. It says, they come to Daniel and they say, He does not show due regard for you, O king. This wasn't true. Now, you've got to grasp this, right? Because this is great application. Daniel intended no disrespect for the king, only a higher respect for God. Now, you've got to catch that. Why? Because we live in the real world. And if somebody is asking you to do something, you go, that's contrary to the word of God. It's not that we use our rights to disrespect them. Well, wait a minute, I'm a Christian and I'm going to... We, he didn't do that. He didn't go to the king and go, wait a minute, I'm second in command here, Darius. I think that's a silly decree. Are you kidding me? You shouldn't even be king. He doesn't disrespect the king. He only has a higher respect for God. So please, don't disrespect your bosses. Don't disrespect each other. Only have a higher respect for God. When your friends are wanting you to do stuff, you go, no, 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 no. I just, mm-mm. I just learned from Daniel. I have a higher respect for God. A higher respect for God. That's never rang more true than the last few years that we've come out of. Have you, wouldn't you agree? And it's not that we disrespect our government. You understand that. But that we have a higher respect for God. And what God tells us to do according to his word. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, so again, 
We may not like what our current administration's doing. We may cringe our teeth and we want to, but we never disrespect them, church. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus calls on us to pray for them. Here's why. Listen to me. I'm going to get real serious for you. Eternity in hell, we should not wish that on anyone. You see, it's not, it's not five-day penance and then you're free. It's not, hey, well, you're going to be in there for 20 years and then you get to get out. It's eternity. Darkness, separation, no hope. Eternity. So although we go in this world and we go, hey, well, I don't like this and I don't like the eggs are eight bucks a, a carton and I don't like this and I can't believe this and there's a bunch and it's just so against you going. Listen, there is something called a righteous anger. You can have righteous anger and go, God, they're just turning. Don't disrespect the authority that God has put above you. Just have a higher respect for God. Say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. We see that in Daniel here. There's a lot to like about Darius, don't you agree? One of the admirable things about him is, notice it says, and I want you to underline this, when he heard the news, hey, 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 King, Daniel, oh, it says, it says here, listen, he was greatly displeased in himself, and I want you to underline that in your Bible, in himself, in himself. Why? Instead of blaming others, he knew that it was his fault. He could easily, easily said, you bums, you, you trapped me. You got me. Oh, I can't. You, 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 and you. He goes, oh, it was me. It was me. He takes responsibility. He takes responsibility. We can be sure that he wasn't happy with Daniel's enemies, but he knew ultimately that he was responsible. He was responsible. Verse 15 says, Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. Verse 16. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. He will deliver you. What's he saying? Well, Darius actually had faith. How did Darius get faith? Well, it was born out of what? It was born out of Daniel's trust in the Lord. The idea was, here's what he says, Daniel, I tried my best to save you, Daniel, but I failed. Now it's up to your God. Now, I want, I want to go back just a little bit. I want to go back just a little bit, okay? Because I understand that um, we can't have faith for somebody else. I can't have faith for Joe. Joe can't have faith for me. I can't have faith for Soph and hope that he gets saved or, or he has, has, that I get saved, that sort of thing. But I love the fact that, that Darius had saw Daniel and Daniel's faith so much that it actually, it actually produced in him faith. And so when we walk, when we walk how God wants us to walk, how we live a life pleasing to the Lord, you might have a younger brother or sister in the Lord look at you and go, man, you, if you can do it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can do it. I can do it. You see, in the same way, when you have somebody watching you 
and you stumble all the time and your and your walk is up and down and up and down and up and down you're not there isn't any faith in there he goes man you struggle I'm and so so build your faith because you never know who's watching build your faith because your kids are watching build your faith because God's watching Notice what he says. He says, Whom, Daniel, you serve continually. What amazing testimony that is, right? Why? Because no matter what happens to you, you just serve God. That's it. How awesome would it be? Hey, no matter what you do, you serve God. I know it's going to be okay. I know it's going to be okay. Just trust and obey him. Now, let's chat for just a moment, okay? Because I want to share with you what is the den of, of lions. This would be, now again, let me paint the picture. This would be a large underground cave with an opening at the top. And then you'd have an opening in the side right here. So what they would do is they would take Daniel and they would drop him down, um, probably tied, and they would drop him into a hungry den of lions. Well, the way they get the lions in is through the side. But they would drop him for dramatic effects so people could go, oh. And, and what would happen is those lions were so hungry that they, they wouldn't even hit the ground, that they would jump up and they would shred him to pieces the moment he fell down. So as Daniel's walking, he's praying, he's walking, he's trusting God, and he gets to the edge there, and it's like, okay. He could see him. He could see him. And then, what do you think that was going through his head? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die today. I'm going to die for something I didn't even do, and they're calling it treason. But right here, Daniel had now the same kind of opportunity for showing faithfulness to God as did the his three Hebrew friends before. The lions were not less terrible, if you will, than the fiery furnace. And so now he has an opportunity. I wonder how we would fare if we were thrown into a den of lions. I wonder how we would do. You go, wow, I don't want to think about that. This is crazy. This is crazy. Okay, let's not think about how we would fare if we were thrown into a den of lions, but let's talk about, just talk about being faithful to God in everyday life. How would we fare? Are we faithful to pray? Are we faithful to read his word? Are we faithful to share what God has done and is doing in our lives and are we faithful to God even when we're under persecution? We're under persecution. Daniel's a great example. Verse 17. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with signet of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now you go, why would he do that? Why? It's like he's, he's, he's putting his ring on, like going, all right, I approve of this. No, 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 let's, let's dig deeper, guys. Let's dig deeper. Why did he seal it? Well, this may have been that he was to protect Daniel as much as to make sure someone didn't rescue Daniel or Darius knew that Daniel had powerful enemies and instead of even before the lions got to him, they killed them. 
So he's made sure. He made sure. Kind of sounds a lot like the our Jesus in the New Testament, doesn't it? Let's make sure the role is the, the we're going to make sure that Jesus has a lot of friends and they can come and and, uh, and uh, steal the body. And Jesus made some enemies, of course. So they want to kill him. So they rolled the stone over the grave. And um, if you go to Israel, you'll get to see that very place. And it's so, so amazing. So amazing. So now let's see the protection. The protection of Daniel. Now the scene changes from Daniel being eaten by lions to the king's reaction. Verse 18. Now when the king went to his palace and spent a night fasting... No musicians were brought before him, and also sleep went from him. Now, again, you can just sit here and say, the king's not having a good night. He's worried about his friend Daniel. Darius would never, was never an enemy of Daniel's life. So, this, is, this really touches him. He can't eat, he can't sleep, I don't want any music, this is going on. And I love this. Let me give you a reference verse, you can jot this down. Proverbs 16 and 7 says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. That's a great verse. That's a great verse. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes enemies even be at peace with him. Look at verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with lamenting voice to Daniel. And the king spoke, saying, Daniel! Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the line? What do you think he was expecting? He comes early in the morning. Was he? I mean, there wouldn't be anything left of Daniel. But he comes. He comes with great. And he's yelling out to Daniel. Daniel. Here's what I love. I love how Daniel answers the king. How so? Here's what I want you to note, guys. I want you to note the respect, even though he was the one who gave the command. Look at verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel angel, and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, king, I have done no wrong before you. Notice that. That is great. Now, he starts off with O King. Through his experience of betrayal and attacks, Daniel, listen, never allows his emotion or his anger to overwhelm him. After spending the night in the pit with the lions, Daniel is the epitome of politeness to the king. What a big difference sometimes in our lives. When we would be angry, we would be in the flesh, Daniel shows a great example. He's just like, oh, king, I didn't do anything wrong. My God found me innocent. How many of us would be saying, now get me out of here! I'll get you! I'm going to go behind their back, oh, king, and make a decree. He doesn't. He doesn't. He says, listen, an angel came. We're all good. We're good. Now, we don't know if Daniel saw an angel... Or he didn't, but he certainly knew that God sent an angel to rescue him. I love what Hebrews says. Hebrews 1.14, jot this down, says, Angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who inherit salvation. So there are angels. There are angels. God sent an angel to serve 
Daniel's needs. Have you ever seen an angel? Have you ever seen an angel? I thought I did once. I'm almost positive. I'll never forget it. Me and my sister were home. I couldn't have been more than about seven or eight years old. And me and my sister were home, and we had, there came a little old lady. She could barely walk. Little old lady. So I, and she would come. And, 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 and at my house, we had a side door that everybody used. It went straight into the kitchen. And then we had a front door that nobody ever used. I mean, it was just one of those things. You know, we, everybody went in, came in this way. And so me and my sister at home, and I don't know what we were doing, watching TV or something, and, and she comes to the door. We didn't have a doorbell. Okay, we weren't that rich. So she knocks, and so my sister's like, right? So we go through the big picture window, and we're like, it's like, oh, we don't, we don't, it's a stranger. It's a little old lady, kind of scary, spooky, okay? This is a little, I'm not going to lie. I'm eight years old, I'm like, So my sister goes, and she opens the door, and this lady goes, do you have some bread? Well, we're just like, uh, we did. You know, we had a loaf or something in there. My sister goes, no, I'm sorry, we don't. She goes, okay. Right? So my sister closed the door, and she sat there for a second. She goes, you know what? I feel bad. We have bread. So she goes, here. Of course, the boy, right? She tells me, here's the loaf. And, and it, it, all within the span of a few minutes, right? She goes, here, go, go, go give this to the lady. So I run out. I take the bread and the thing, and I run out the door. I can't find her. I can't find her anywhere. She's gone. Now, again, remember, she walks like this. So there's no way that, I mean, and we just kind of went, wow. That's the closest I think I've ever seen to going. I ran out the door, guys, with the loaf of bread almost immediately, and I could not find her. And I believe the Bible says that at times we entertain angels. And they're sent here to help us and to minister to us. I know that God sent an angel to Daniel. Look at verse 23. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded him that they should take Daniel up out of the den. Thank you, Lord. And Daniel was taken out of the den and no injury was ever found in him because he believed in his God. Now, I want you to catch this, right? And here's what I want you to write in your Bible next to it. You see the gospel in the Old Testament right here. You see the gospel. Why? We're told the reason that Daniel was saved. You see him? He's pulled out. He's saved. He was saved. Why? Because he believed in his God. He believed in his God. This is the message for all those who struggle in this life. This is what? Just, you got to believe. you got to believe. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So in, in the book of Daniel, there he is, and he says, Hey, Daniel, you all right? Yep, God saved me. Okay, you believed him? I believed him. Get him out of there. And he was saved because he believed in God, and that's going to be the same for us. Put your faith and trust in the Lord, and you'll be saved. Verse 24. And the king gave the command that they brought those men who accused Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. Now, now, notice the pause. Them, their children, 
their wives. And guess what happened? The lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Isn't that a sad ending for those involved in this conspiracy to punish Daniel? Their sin, their envy, their jealousy, their strife, their power, their self selfishness caused them. Now, here's what I want you to see. You've got to grasp this, okay? If you're a note taker, grasp this. Sin affects everyone in striking distance. Sin, well, you go, what do you mean? It wasn't just the guys who, who, who pointed the finger at Daniel. Hey, look, Daniel's praying. Get him. The king said, all y'all, bring your wife. Bring your children. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the heart of the father going, I've messed up so bad, I, I've put my whole family in danger. Certain death. And it's not a death that he's like, I mean, these are lions, man. And it says, the Bible says here, guys, that, that they, by the time they even hit the ground, they had broken all their bones into pieces. They jumped on them so hard. Your little, your little girl screaming, your little boy screaming. Your wife looking at you like, God put me under you to trust you, sir. What decision are you going to make? Men, what decision are we going to make? Sin affects everyone in striking distance. Listen to me. Sin always has consequences. There's pain, brokenness, loss, even death. Follow our bad choices. Hopefully, our distaste for sin is driven by our gratitude and love for God. But if for no other reason, we should avoid it to escape the incredible pain that it accompanies it. You find that in Galatians 6-7. If you have no other reason, just the pain that it brings, you go, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. One of the saddest things, one of the saddest things, church, is when a pastor or a leader falls morally. And the church is affected by it. And the people who go, hey, you were my shepherd, you were my pastor. And if, that, if, if you can do that, what hope do I have? And you see, the man, the pastor is just a man, and if he doesn't walk with God and he does something stupid, you understand that you've got to know that it affects everybody. Everyone in striking distance, all your friends, all the people that love you. And it's the same for every one of us. Well, nobody's going to find out. I'll be okay. Nobody will know. And then it hurts. And there's pain. Well, we're going to close tonight, guys, with Darius's final decree. Notice verse 25. Then King Darius wrote, To all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell on the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that every dominion of my kingdom 
men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is a living God and a steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the region of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So what does he say? Oh, what a great decree that God is God. That God is God. Listen, listen. Now, grasp this, okay? Because we're going to pray in just a minute. This is a great decree. It's a great decree from verse 25 to 28. He writes and he says, this is the decree. Everyone needs to praise the Lord. Everyone, every nation, tongue, and language and dwell on the earth. He says, listen, I make a decree. In every dominion of my kingdom, men must trouble in, treble in fear before God of Daniel, for he is the living God. And all of this is true. But the one thing that jumped out at me is that I can make a decree like that, but it's a personal decision that you've got to make to serve the living God. Decrees are good, but here, it's got to be personal. And that's when you say, yes, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Amen. Great lessons from the lion's den. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Ooh, what a sweet, sweet, sweet time in it, Lord. Lord Jesus, when I read Daniel and Daniel reads me, I need to be more like Daniel, Lord. I need to be more like you, Jesus. So, Lord, tonight, as we worship this last song, I pray that, Lord, we would be filled with your spirit to walk and and be pleasing to you. To confess our sin, Lord, Lord, we confess our attitudes, we confess all the things that, Lord, that we just um, we just allow inside our lives, God. And we confess of, of our conduct and our behavior and, and, Lord, all the things that are not pleasing to you. God, would you please forgive us and, draw, and help us to draw near to you? Father, we make a decree in our own hearts right now that we're going to serve and love the living God that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we can live forever with him, where we'll have peace and joy and wonderful prosperity and we'll just have grace and mercy and love, perfect love. That's the decree we make in our hearts, God. Regardless of the law of the lands, our personal decree is to follow you. And Lord, if in our travels to follow you, we end up accused in an alliance den, I pray, O oh Lord, that we would be faithful till the end. For this life, we're just passing through. But the life we live forever is for you. That's our prayer tonight. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.